What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're getting things kicked off with uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the Pipeline. His podcast with Travis Justice, awesome listen. At Doc Talk Sports is where you find that on Twitter. Dr. Rob, what's good? Have you uh, have you calmed down, my friend, since since uh, Minnesota? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, yeah, I probably have a bit. I mean, I I was pretty fired up there during the game in the first few days after. I I, I mean, there's still part of me that's. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, happy about the fact that we even had football this year. Right. As as hard as so many powers that be tried to quash this and just completely end the season, the the fact that we even get another game and get to go out to Rutgers to play, I mean, I'm I'm kind of happy about that, just because I think the fact that they're playing at all is a good thing. So I. It's it's kind of the little silver lining I am trying as hard as I can to find. You know, Nebraska is uh, in need of a of a win. They'll have a chance against Rutgers on Friday. Game time's been moved back, of course, to six thirty under the lights in Piscataway during a nor'easter. Why not? So uh, let's that yeah, uh, makes sense. Well, let's find Snooky and Jay Wow and and see if the, they can sneak into the stadium. <laughs> uh, interested in, in your thoughts uh, with with Isaac uh, Zadiska as, as signing days wrapping up, and of course uh, Sam Hoskinson, uh, teammate of yours with Matt. But just an overall take on, on some of the the in state linemen, Rob. You were one of those guys at Lincoln East, and uh, just the, uh, the the thought as guys soon will sign and and transition on. And I know things are still up in the air with, with Isaac a bit with where he may end up. But just overall, your take on, on the group alignment that, that's kind of at arm's reach there for Nebraska. Well, I, I, I mean, I think they've got some good guys and they've got some good linemen in this class. But, I mean, it's, it's basically three guys. Well, I'd like to see more. I mean, I'm, when it comes to line, I'm, I'm, I'm always a give me more guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to see that. I mean, you, you got Lutoski out of Mount Pleasant. I mean, he's a guy that I'm actually really excited to see uh, get on campus. But, I mean, when you think of some of the other guys around the state, I, I do. I look at Isaac, and I'm sitting here, and it's, when was the last time you saw Nebraska recruit and sign a true center? And it's just, it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of guys reference Will Farniak, which – you know, smaller guy, undersized guy. I, I mean, he's played some. I mean, he he got it seemed almost more got on the field more last year than this year. Uh, but I mean, I've talked to some people in the media who have told me that hey, there, there's reasons he's not playing. I mean, it's not a right. It, there's it, there is this isn't some incredible secret where the guys that are playing have some kind of 
something that they can hold over the coach's heads that have forced the coach's hands. There's and, no pictures there's out guys there, that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not, it's not like there's other guys that are better than these guys. The guys that aren't playing aren't playing for a reason. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen a lot of young guys get out there, and that's something I was really, actually, really excited to see. Um, I'm really happy seeing uh, Ethan Piper out there. Now, is he awesome? No, but he's pretty damn good. It's, I mean, for a redshirt freshman, he's doing outstanding. Um, I thought that holding call during the game against him, one, it wasn't a hold at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that in, a, in and of itself makes it just one of the biggest bullshit calls I've seen all year because it was not a hold. But he's playing well. Uh, Bryce Benhart's got some issues. He needs to – when you've got six nine leverage, you got to learn how to use it, and he's he doesn't know quite how to use that leverage yet. Is he going to learn? Yeah, I think he will. But you saw him getting beat uh, two or three times during some very key moments of the game on, on on pass rush, on bull rush. He needs to learn how to extend his arms. He needs to use how to how to use that length, how to use his body. Um, there's probably some upper body strength things he needs to improve upon as well too. So there's some there's some definite things there with these younger guys. But I appreciate the fact we're seeing some of these younger guys out there. They're playing and they're performing, and I think that's a good thing going forward for Nebraska. So there's some I've got some reasons to be optimistic about those guys. Um, but but going back to the center position, when was the last time we saw that? I mean, there's a reason Will Farniak's not playing. So I kind of discount him when people say, well, Nebraska's recruited true centers. There's true centers on the roster. It's like, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure I wholeheartedly agree with that, uh, at least in a functional sense. And Right now, the coach's philosophy is we're going to recruit a bunch of really, really good offensive tackles, and those that don't pan out, we're going to shift to guard, and those guys that aren't a good guard, we're going to move to center. And I'm just – it's not a good logic in my mind. I I think you need to go – the center, in my mind, is a specialized position. You need to go out and get yourself a center. You need to have a couple of guys on the roster – who can play that position very specifically. Rob Zadisk is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, his podcast at Doc Talk Sports. And uh, Rob, of course, uh, Pipeline member, Hall of Fame Husker. So when it comes to uh, your background in medicine, uh, there is the vaccine that's out for distribution. What are the ingredients for a offensive vaccine to, to help this Nebraska offense? Uh, you know, I this seems incredibly simple to me, but honestly, I think one of the key things they got to do is just learn to rely a little bit more on the running game. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they they did some very good things during the game, um, but they didn't lean on it enough. And now, when you look at the statistics from that Minnesota game, they had almost 200 yards rushing. Well, in this day and age, that's pretty solid. But that's a. I mean, it, it's not. If you if you look at a team that, like old Nebraska, that ran nonstop, it's not that great of a day. But it that's a good day rushing. Two hundred yards is great. Now I'd be the first to admit a big chunk of that. I think in my head we figured out it was 
like almost 25 or 30 percent of that total yardage came on three plays but still you're moving the ball on the ground now when you look at some other statistics in terms of the effectiveness of that look at time of possession minnesota just destroyed nebraska in time of possession and so normally a good running game is going to give you that win in the time of position possession column and nebraska didn't get that and so that that's a that's a running game that at first glance looks like it was pretty good, but it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. It wasn't churning the clock. It wasn't keeping the ball out of the hands of the opponent. It wasn't giving your defense a rest. And that's what a good running game is supposed to do. Um, most of the yardage, it seemed, came on first down runs. Uh, that was where it seemed like Nebraska really did a lot of their damage with the running game. But then when you go to a pass and you have an incomplete pass on second down, incomplete pass on third down, now you're giving the ball back to the to the opponent. You're, you've lost that time of possession battle. Um, you're not throwing those body punches anymore. You're not wearing them out. Uh it's it's the running game's lost that effectiveness in terms of how you do it. If a lot of that running yardage is coming on second down, third down, that's where you see the damage done, and we just didn't see that on Saturday. Rob, uh, so I, th- I guess you know you asked me that question. I guess my my biggest answer is more than anything they got to learn to rely on the run, and the problem is is. It's not so much they can't. They've got the personnel in Lincoln right now to run the ball. They're just not. They're just choosing not to rely on. That's where I was going. Yep. They want to. Do they want to rely on the run game? I don't think they want it. They want to force. I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this tactfully. <laughs> outside of saying they kind of want to force. Frost's offense down 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 our throats or down the opponent's throats, however you want to put it. Yeah, they they want to they want that wide open, that spread out offense, the rapid fire to move the ball down the field in big chunks. They want to try to force that, and I don't know if we've got the personnel to do that. I don't know if we've got the wide receivers to do that. I don't know if we've got the running backs to do that. I don't think we've got the quarterback to do that. Very fair. Rob Zadiska with us, Hale Varsity Radio at Doc Talk Sports. His podcast with Travis Justice. We're hitting our line and uh, the Nebraska offense. Rob, a, a quick thought. Uh, Hymas opting out. Your reaction to that. And uh, Turner Corcoran, you know, step on up. Uh, your first career start at left tackle. You know a thing about playing left tackle. Uh, do you remember your first start? Uh, I do. I was a redshirt freshman. It was against Arizona State on a Saturday night game in Tempe. So um, <laughs> I remember that one too. You know, it's yeah. yeah I mean, I, it was it was a little nerve wracking. It was it was a blast. It was a ton of fun. Um, I actually think Turner's better than I was, at least at this stage of the game. So I I, I expect him to go out and perform, and I think he's going to do a good job. Uh, you know, I was disappointed with it. I Now, I say that. Now, keep in mind, I mean, I'm going to kind of tell you how I feel, and how I feel is I'm disappointed. I feel like when you see that, in my opinion, there's a little bit of a loyalty to the program issue. 
but even more so, there's a loyalty to your teammates issue. The, the regular season hasn't ended yet, and you're cashing it in. I get it. It's coronavirus season. It's sort of this weird season that isn't a season that doesn't really count. You know what, though? It's Nobody that I played with would have done this to their teammates. And I guess that's what's disappointing to me is that when I look at that, when I look at this situation, it's one of those, the season hasn't even ended yet. And you're kind of at the, all right, well, up and on to the next thing. I don't want to get injured. I've got my NFL career coming up. Let's roll on out of here. Now, there's always a backstory to stuff. Maybe there is here, maybe there isn't. But you know what? Maybe there's a clash between Hymas and Frost or Hymas and Austin about Lord knows what, and he's had enough and he's decided he's out of here. Maybe it's a case of uh, he truly has some insight into where he's going to go from a professional standpoint. And at this stage of the game, he really essentially has been told, hey, here's the deal. You're going to be a top draft pick. You need to start protecting that, and now's the time to do that. So I don't know what that backstory is. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I assume there is one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there's not one, but... My my assumption is is that there's that there's possibly something I don't know about that kind of negates what I said about the loyalty thing. Maybe there are some good reasons on the surface. I don't see that though, and so in my mind, I'm at least from the information I have, mm-hmm. I'm incredibly disappointed. Rob Zadiska with us, Hale Varsity Radio, part of the pipeline, uh, talking offensive line. Rob, about 30 seconds, bud. Uh, is, it, is it tough for you to watch Saturdays? That, that was incredibly tough for me to watch. And the reason is, is just that you see they've got it. Like I said, is this the 83 Huskers with Mike Rozier and Dean Steinkuhler? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's... But but it's a team that has enough guys that against a team like Minnesota that was what was it they were giving up not necessarily all on the ground but they were giving up something like like six point point yards of play seven up yards two, of play two fifteen on the ground I mean yeah I mean it's like they're giving up they were giving up a ton of yardage you can't tell me Nebraska doesn't have the personnel. And I saw it during the game. They've got the personnel to go out and get three or four yards of play on the ground. Right. Grind it out. I mean, it's you run a first down play and you're sitting at second and four, second and five. Run it again and you're sitting at third and two. And from an offensive coordinator standpoint, third and two is great. I can get this with a run. I can get this with a run-pass option by the quarterback. I can get this with a dump to the flat. I can get this with a screen pass. Not that screen passes and dumps to the flat have been kind of Nebraska over the last few years. but um, A lot of things in the playbook. It's, yeah, it, yeah it's, a, it's an open play. Third and two is an open playbook. Third and ten, well, yeah, you got some limitations there. Mm-hmm. 
but third and one, third and two, there's a lot of stuff you could do there. Hell, I mean, when I played third and three was a quarterback sneak. <laughs> you so, guys move some and, folks off the yeah, ball. So was, You're right. Yeah, I mean, I guess my biggest disappointment is that as much as we talk about maybe not having all the pieces to the puzzle in place yet, mm-hmm. as much as I rip on this player, that player, as much as I'm disappointed about different things, they've got enough that they could have just run the ball and grounded out against Minnesota. And I think done enough to win the game. Rob go with us. Dr. Rob, you're awesome, man. Thanks for a few minutes to get us kicked off today. Absolutely. It's good talking to you. Gotta love the uh, pride of Lincoln East. Uh, of course, Rob Zadiska, Willie J, pride of Lincoln East. Mitch Sherman, next on Hale Varsity Radio. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And good stuff from Rob Zadis. Going to get things kicked off. We welcome in, with The Athletic, it's Mitch Sherman at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, are you excited to go to New Jersey, or are you getting to, to stay home for this one? You know, I think the uh, 12 to 20 inches of snow pretty much sealed the deal for me, and the $600 uh, airline tickets i'm gonna watch friday night from the uh warm confines of my basement that is a plan and the two uh, and five record was a factor too uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i guess i should be careful uh, asking if who's gonna watch uh just based on nebraska I watch. no i know right i mean nebraska fans still not happy about minnesota let's start there before we get to rutgers and we were talking a little bit before the game and we're kind of hitting on some recruiting, and I'll get there with you as well. But, you know, this program just seems to, to go backwards right after they, they go forward. And, you know, I was just – we were just talking to, to Dr. Z- Rob Zadiska, and his his take was this. Look, you've got dudes that you can run the football with, so why don't you run the football? And I kind of put it to you for, for, for Friday as well, uh, knowing that Corcoran's going to be your, your guy at left, left tackle – is there going to be uh, more of an effort to, to run the ball uh, against yeah. Rutgers uh, when you got two redshirt freshmen at, at, at the tackle spots and you're pretty right. young across the line? Is that something that you think Nebraska drifts toward, or is it going to be more uh, swing passes in, in uh, short routes uh, in a nor'easter? I mean, just, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the snow is supposed to be gone by Friday night. Um, who knows what the – field clearing abilities will be if they get a foot of snow probably good that the fans are extremely limited they'll, they'll have somewhere to put the snow I, yeah I, I don't think even if it's in and even if the snow's gone i'm sure it will be cold you don't get a lot of december night games in the big 10 or any um before before this <laughs> so um it, yeah i would say that it's a good idea to maybe cut some of the swing passes and the wide game from your from your repertoire, it would have been a good idea last week, I think, too, in Lincoln. And Nebraska probably could have won that game if it had stayed more between the tackles. Um, I, that's that's my amateur opinion, but I'm looking at a Minnesota defense that ranked dead last in the country in yards per rush allowed and was limited, shorthanded uh, with what it had available on both sides of the ball. But uh, on the defensive line, that was one of the main areas. So I was puzzled by Nebraska's. Um, 
29 passes or 30 passes that it threw in the game and, and what seemed to be an attempt to go around the Minnesota defense instead of up the gut. Now, Rutgers is more stout in the middle of its defense, certainly than, than what we saw from Minnesota last week. But, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Uh, you have a true freshman out there at left tackle. I don't think you want to leave the blind side of, of Adrian Martinez or Luke McCaffrey open to um, – a big hit. Um, I mean, sure, he's going to throw the ball. Those quarterbacks are going to throw the ball some, but uh, it's probably in Nebraska's best interest, all things considered, to to run it. You know, give it to Dedrick Mills. Um, let's see what Marvin Scott can do. Uh, find some other other running backs. I mean, they're on the roster. Um, this is the last chance to see them until presumably next August or September. Yeah, you, you mentioned August or September. Nebraska bowl game. Yeah, I don't know about the Ireland game. So yeah, no, I, I'm not <laughs> I going August or September. No, but, I mean uh, I, I've got Cranach working on on booking Ireland and securing vast amounts okay. of, right. of of Guinness. So I'll be there one way or the other, allegedly. Right, but yeah, you don't need football. Just, you can just, go. <laughs> just need yeah another road trip with Cranach. Those have ended so well. Um, I, I, I'm interested though with um, you know Nebraska in, in the run game and. Do you think Nebraska has? Ha, well, I guess I'm asking you, why has Nebraska not been able to to find a guy to lean on when they do want to run it? Instead, we're seeing so many different personnel groupings, and you, you'll see Mills come in and do yeah. some nice things, but not get him lathered up. And you'll see uh, Ramir come in, and, and he's in the flat. So I, I know, mm-hmm. and I'm not there. You're not there at practice, but it just doesn't seem like. I hear Coach Ross talk about consistency, and you're not getting consistency with your personnel. Well, I heard Greg Austin in the spring and again this fall talk about the importance of establishing a run game. And, you know, I do think they're limited in what they're able to do because of the health of the running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, Diedrich had the injury against Penn State, and he was out for several weeks. And, and, you know, there's real questions, I think, based on his workload about whether he's been healthy right. enough to carry a big a big load since he's come back in the past two games. And then you're looking at freshmen. I mean, Ramir Johnson is not a big guy, even when he's healthy. Marvin Scott um, has had situations that have held him out of games too. I think he is somebody who you can rely on if he's there and he knows what he's doing. Um, but that those, those situations just have not materialized for him to be a guy that has gotten, you know, 15, 20 carries in a game. If, if, if Marvin, or Diedrich, I'd, I'd put him in reverse order. Mm-hmm. If Mills or Scott were healthy, ready to go, then I think either one of those guys would be a good option to to put a load um, put a load in their in their hands, and and let's see what what happens. That's not the case with Ramir Johnson. Savion Morrison hasn't been healthy enough to do it this year, or healthy at all of late. So <clears throat> they're limited for sure with their running backs. Ronald Tompkins who opened the year as the number two back, really has been a non-factor since the beginning of the year. You know, I think injuries just continue to be um, a concern for him, and, and, you know, we'll see where his career goes from here. But uh, that's that's a problem. Um, if you're going to have a good running game, you're going you're gonna to need to have a good running game when you play half of your season in the Big Ten, um, Thanksgiving or after, you need a running back. And they haven't had a reliable guy um, who's been able to stay healthy this year. So I understand um, some of the um, inconsistency, but um, it's been it's been a problem. 
Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, uh, your story uh, on The Athletic earlier this week about uh, uh, Cole Payton, really talented uh, quarterback out of Westside. Westside's tremendous program. Uh, Bellevue West does it right. You've got uh, really just a, a high level of, of training and then programs up in the metro and What's your thought here? Is there even a smidgen of a chance Nebraska might make a late run at Cole Payton? Would it matter? And and overall, with tomorrow's early signing class, are do you think Nebraska has got some some gems in there based on what you've seen on film or paper? Uh, no, on Cole Payton, uh, he's going to North Dakota State. If you watched high school football in Nebraska this fall, um, it, yes, I, th- I think you have a, I think you have a sense that. Cole Payton was as good or as as impactful as any player in the state. And there are 11 players in the state signing tomorrow, at least, with or signing tomorrow or in February. Not not necessarily everyone will sign tomorrow, but signing in this class um, with FBS programs. And it's crazy to think that Cole Payton is not one of those guys with the year that he had at Westside and leading them to a Class A title. Um, you know, six foot three, 215 pounds. His high school coach thinks he can play tight end in the NFL. Um, some schools liked him as a linebacker. He wanted to play quarterback. And he had a great relationship with the coaches at North Dakota State who offered him in May. And then when others came around, including Nebraska and Iowa State this fall, um, he was he was done, uh, done with the, the process. And he said thanks, but no thanks. It never got to the point with Nebraska where an offer was extended, but um, it could have if, if, uh, if Cole would have allowed it to. And, you know, credit to him for mm-hmm. making a decision and sticking with it. And he's going to a place that is about to put its third consecutive quarterback into the NFL draft. Trey Lance is leaving North Dakota State early after playing just one year in that program, redshirting another, and then the FCS didn't play this fall. So he's been in school there three years. They played one game, um, North Dakota State did. So he's played 17 games, 17 games, 17 wins. He's off to be a first-round pick, probably the third quarterback selected behind Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So that's what the North Dakota State quarterback pedigree is like on the heels of Easton Stick, the Omaha, who was a fifth-round pick two years ago, and, of course, Carson Wentz, uh, the number two pick in the draft a few years ago. So he's not going to a bad place. And, you know, good for Cole Payton that he gets to, uh, that he gets to do that, and it was enjoyable talk to him and to write about him and um you know i think he has his head screwed on straight and made a good decision um elsewhere I, you know i don't think there's going to be any big surprises tomorrow as far as who signs with nebraska um i don't know you tell me you just talked to rob zadiska um i'm, I'm interested doesn't, in what doesn't, happens doesn't, with, doesn't with sound you. doesn't sound like anything right now <laughs> yeah tried to go there yeah <laughs> yeah i think isaac his nephew at elkhorn south is a good prospect as a center and is probably not going to sign tomorrow um, in hopes that something opens up somewhere at an, at a, at a big power five mm-hmm. program uh, between now and February. And it's a possibility, you know, there's going to be a ton of transfers this off season. There already have been. So I think the February signing period actually is going to be more active than usual because of all the roster management decisions that have to be made in this year. So many unique things going on this year, both with the transfer portal and the access to transfers the programs will have, and of course, just the pandemic and, and no, no visits. It's a crazy year. I mean, <laughs> every, yeah. everywhere in recruiting, it's it's uh, is probably crazier than than anything that's going on. So, um, but the Huskers are going to sign five guys from the state of Nebraska tomorrow. 
nine guys from Nebraska and bordering states. Um, and I think that's the story of this class is that they stayed close to home. They got nine kids from Nebraska, Iowa, South Dakota. And those guys are not just uh, numbers in this class. They are the best players in this class. So players like Thomas Fedoni at, at Council Bluffs, Lewis Central, Teddy Prohaska at Elkhorn South, Kobe Bretz at, at, at Westside um, will be really good players in Lincoln. Mitch Sherman's with us. Mitch, about 45 seconds. Uh, I want to go back to North Dakota State. Who's the guy that's scouting all their quarterbacks? <laughs> the, guy, the guy that's scouting quarterbacks for North Dakota yes. State? Yes, who's that guy? Well, their quarterback's coach, his name is Randy Hedberg. Um, and, Randy's you know, pretty good at what he does. He's been active in uh, in Omaha for sure and coming to to, uh, to the Metro and, and getting uh, Easton uh, a few years ago. Um, they signed a quarterback out of Omaha, Scott, last year, uh, Tyson Gordon, who's now playing safety up in Fargo. Um, and now Peyton, uh, Colt Payton is going to go up there and, and probably sit next fall behind Zeb Noland, who's a transfer, uh, a name that you, you know if you're an Iowa State fan or a Big 12 fan. Um, he was the guy who uh, played some quarterback before Brock Purdy got to Ames mm. and, and took over that job. So Zeb Noland has has, um, has been in Fargo for, uh, for a year now and backed up Trey Lance. So he'll take that job in the spring uh, for the Bison in their spring season. And then perhaps next fall, too, he'll be eligible um, as a, uh, a super senior or a COVID senior, whatever, whatever we're going to call those people, and uh, and that will be the the um, the guy who who Cole Payton can learn behind for a year. Good stuff, Mitch Sherman with us. Uh, find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Read him with the Athletic. Mitch, be good, and thanks for the time today. Great to chat with you. All right, good to talk to you, Chris. We're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Coming up, we'll uh, run down Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, and Coach Rick Kaczynski is going to join us at 525. Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Willie J. Will Wilson. It's, uh, his alter ego. He's, so... Let me ask you, what, what yeah. constitutes you switching up? You go with the old school Nebraska football hat from the early 90s, mm-hmm. and now you've got the old Big 8 basketball hat. Can you find a Runza Air Aussie hat circa 92? What? what? You, didn't, you, you didn't know about this promotion? No. My dad had this hat, and he got the biggest kick out of it because Nebraska would throw like six times a game, and they'd average 47 yards of completion. <laughs> it was off the option, fake option, and they'd drop back and find... The tight end, but hundred years ago, not quite. But uh, you had <laughs> you had the Air Aussie hat, and that was the joke, Air Osborne. Huh. So you know, Tom. This I mean, Tom Osborne is a really good, obviously, uh, offensive coordinator, play caller. <laughs> but people were giving him so much hell. All you do is run the damn football. Well, so the, the joke was, it's he's you know he's turned into Air Aussie. Huh. That the hat was Air Aussie. Wow. I got to ask my dad to see if he's got one of those. Steal well, it and, from him. and I don't know. God, I remember seeing it. It did exist. Huh. But back in that area, you had, well, had Zadisky, you had Will Shields, you had yeah. uh, Calvin Jones, you had Derek Brown, LP. I mean, go through the list of backs, man. And that's what we're kind of hung up on here uh, is, is running the bleeping football. And 
We'll see if that happens uh, in Jersey on on Friday night. So you had uh, another media session today, and Coach Lubick sat in. Uh, also, Coach Chinander. But I want to I want to start off with uh, Colin Miller. Colin Miller speaking uh, with the media today, and Miller uh, obviously uh, had the the scary situation with his uh, paralysis and. Uh, kind of a final decision here by Colin Miller about his future with football. Um, I talked to one neurologist doctor that's with the staff and he kind of gave me like the options and put everything out on the line that he thinks that it's probably not the best situation to come back and play football um, depending on my health down the road. Um, So I think that, you know, looking at my MRIs and CT scans and all these other things that we've been through, and just seeing things happen with my spine and um, looking down the road of my health, I think that I probably won't be coming back. Uh, I'll probably hang up the cleats for good um, just for health reasons and just make sure that that I'm able to throw a football with my kid down the road or, you know, drive my own car down the road or, you know, take a shower on my own and feed myself on my own. I mean, it was a scary situation on Saturday. Um, last well, against Illinois was very scary feelings I've never felt before. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. That's Colin Miller. Very real. And, you know, Colin, thank you for your courage to get in front of a microphone and camera and say, here's a look into my life, man. And I've been a competitor my entire life. I'm a division one college recruit. I've played defensive end here and switched to linebacker and a guy that really poured every ounce into this football program does not want to risk all of the things he talked about potentially becoming jeopardized if he gets hit wrong again. So kudos to to Colin Miller's career. And this is, I mean, think about guys who can play at that level and you just kind of go, wow, that's hard work they put in. That's God-given talent that, that they have. And you merge the two, you got a special player. And then the the way Miller just kind of persevered through his career, I mean, all of these seniors, with coming to a program that was Nebraska, right? And you're good enough to get the offer by Nebraska, and you're still kind of pouring cement trying to pour cement to, to have better seasons. So that is um, Colin, Colin Miller. Uh, more from Coach Chinander as uh, Chins touched on Nebraska's defense a little bit and Rutgers uh, looms. That play, and once again, I'm not arguing calls. I'm not complaining. Those officials have a hard job. Um, but that same play happens five, six other times in that same game. Um, but the guy wasn't wearing a quarterback jersey. Um, so when the when the quarterback gets out and runs, we've just got to be ultra ultra conscious of of taking our head out. I thought Cam led with his shoulder, and then we had some head to head afterwards. But you know the replay I got in the booth, I was like, man, they're going to call this thing because that that was the replay they got um, in real time. You know, I, I think the officials did a good job in real time. They did not throw a flag, and then and then it got um, buzzed down, and they decided it was one upstairs. But you know, it, the, the unfortunate nature of this thing is. It's really it's really hard to to be physical out there right now um, when you're when you're worried about those hits and what's going to happen is you're going to have to go ultra low and 
unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more skill players with, um, you know, season-ending injuries. There's going to be a lot of ACLs. There's going to be a lot of those types of things because guys are going to be forced to go low all the time. And I think you're you're opening up more issues on safety, player safety, than you are than you have already. I think there definitely need to be some player safety things addressed, and I think that they've addressed them and they've they've done a good job with that. But I think now it's becoming. Um, so common to get a, a targeting foul that there's going to be other player safety issues that are going to come up because of it. Um, but the bottom line is we're going to have to we're going to have to do a better job of, of tackling in the strike zone and you know taking our head out of the football play. You know, Cam Taylor Britt did tackle in the strike zone. You got a flag because you smoked a quarterback. It's garbage. And again, there's a difference between helmet contact launching with your crown and trying to bust a guy's jaw like Benny Blades did to, to Brandon Riley down in Miami. That's like the the most blatant, I'm going to try and knock this guy out spear I've ever seen in my freaking life. And yeah, it might have been, might have been Artie Burns. Point is, is there's 400 Benny Blades or his kids down at Miami. They all go to the U, right? They're all really good secondary players. But <laughs> There's an A and a B and a C and a D. And not only did that play hose Cam Taylor Britt, it it made a first down, and Minnesota gets the lead, Nebraska gets zapped, Cam Taylor Britt's watching, and it, it flips momentum completely. And you look at records when trailing at half, Scott Frost, not good. P.J. Fleck, 22-3 and three when leading at half. So what happens on Friday night and you know I just I hope Nebraska gears up for all the Nebraska fans and and goes out and is ready to to try and get one more because the season's been a nightmare there's also a part of me that's like from a want it more standpoint Rutgers is fired up they're playing good football if I'm at Nebraska What's my, how much of, oh, screw this has creeped in. I just saw my left tackle opt out. You, you know Dr. Rob's take on that. And if I'm Hymas, I'm a gray beard, bro, with that offensive line. It's me and Farniak. So I don't know. Well, uh, Mike Leach lost his mind, and I love the pirate. He was with us last Thursday. The pirate goes off on COVID ball 2020. Stay tuned for that on Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Rick Kaczynski coming up. And a little Big Ten buffet. Rick Pizzo will be with us. How far can Iowa hoops go this year? Thoughts on Nebraska football. And uh, is Fitz on his way out the door at Northwestern? And I know Willie J's sad about that. But think about this if you're Pat Fitzgerald. Seriously? You have uh, Hankowitz is retiring. Your AD is going to be the commissioner of the ACC because Lord knows he was too close for the Big Ten to hire instead of Kevin Warren. Rats. So there is, there is that. So you'll, you'll uh, think we'll hear he... from the Pirate in just a moment. But I do want to remind you to, to buckle up. Why? Because it's important. Uh, you buckle up, you save a life. It's it's really that simple. 
And uh, when we talk about car accidents, uh, 70% of, of accidents and fatal accidents occur because you are not buckled up. So when you're heading out on the road and it's been icy from time to time, buckle up. The best defense from a fatal injury is your safety belt. This message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Without further ado, do we have time for the Pirate? Yeah, we got about... This is yeah. this is the Pirate on COVID-2020 football. You're recruiting, what can you do? Well, you can do this, you can't do that. Well, you can do this instead. Well, you can do that, but not this. Okay, and then, okay, are we going to go ahead and have signing day when it is? Yes, we are. Uh, well, maybe we're not. Yeah, we probably <laughs> are. Yes, we are. Okay, uh, okay, are we practicing today? Oh, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, this many guys were positive. Oh, okay, who are the contact tracers? we got to tra- track that down. Okay, well, how many O-linemen do we have? Okay, well, who's going to play guard? Okay, now, um, <clears throat> uh, do we have enough corners? Well, I don't know. Well, this guy, uh, he played a little corner in high school. And then, um, okay, what time does this start? Well, I don't know. They're going to change that. Okay. Uh, now there's a procedure for this. We're going to test this many times a week. No, it's going to be that many. Okay. And so contact tracers are out this long. Okay. No, they're out that long. Okay. What, what constitutes a contact tracer? And then in the back of that, you're wondering, okay, well, the NFL does it one way. We do it another. Okay. And then, um, uh, you know, it's just the stop and start and just the incessant, uh, change adjustment uh you know it's uh yeah yeah you guys are dealing with it yourselves i mean you guys see you all sitting in these rooms and uh some of you look a little more cheerful than others and some <laughs> look uh, tried to look cheerful but you're kind of gloomy because you're stuck in there and then um um uh, and so then uh you know we're sitting here you know doing it like this and and, and pretending it's all for real and uh this is just like a regular press conference. Yeah, this is such a brilliant idea. Let's do it like this all the time. I mean, everybody's been through this. And, and, and um, you know, the ter- determination, um, <clears throat> yeah, we got some problems we have to deal with. Um, and then, you know, anytime you get committees involved in something, it's going to be convoluted, twisted up, and then the politicians are trying to beat them chest, their chest and, and maximize on this at every step. And in the end, uh, together with all the commotion and clutter, we've created one of the most joyless seasons on earth. And hopefully we have the presence of mind to not repeat it this way again. <clears throat> Got to get the coffin, pirate. Love it. So his reaction to what do you think of this season? How have you dealt with it? I just We should have him play more cowbell for us. That was fun. Rick Pizzo, Rick Kaczynski, Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, and Rick, what's good? How you doing this week? 
Well, Chris, I was better before we had Purdue, Indiana, and Iowa, Michigan both canceled on Champions Week. At this point, we are limping to the finish and hoping we get to see at least five games this weekend. You know, and you talk about limping to the finish. That uh, describes Nebraska as there was some momentum. You got to win at Purdue. And then, man, uh, a tough one against Minnesota. And, wow, uh, let's start off with... Minnesota, Fleck, COVID, and those dudes finding a way to grind out a win. Uh, Minnesota always seems to find a stable of really good backs. Moe's money, but uh, Wiley's pretty good. And, I mean, the the Gophers can run the football, Rick, and and they didn't gash Nebraska that often, but they hit some big runs. And then when it came to fourth quarter winning time, that's all she wrote. Yeah, you know, defensively, I thought Nebraska played well enough to win the game. Now, you can criticize a couple of things. Uh, without 33 players, Minnesota only had a handful of guys that could hurt you. Ibrahim goes for over 100, but he didn't, to your point, he didn't crush Nebraska like he crushed a couple other teams this year. He went for over 200 a couple of times this year. Uh, you know, Audman Bell is their best receiver. He had a nice game, but 80-plus, he, he didn't crush Nebraska. I just felt like defensively they played well enough to win, and offensively I, I was left there, Chris, I don't know about you, but but totally scratching my head because I really thought they found something against Purdue. And I don't really think that Minnesota's defense, minus the players that were gone, is significantly or markedly better than what they saw against Purdue. Yet the execution, I mean, the offensive line was getting torn up. Adrian in the passing game just looked like a completely different player than he looked like the week before. Some bad penalties were back. I was left just wondering what on earth happened in the seven days since I saw this team live against Purdue because it just wasn't the same football team. Rick, you're, you're not wrong, and there's been a lot of hand-wringing about the, the, the game plan. And you, you come out, and you, you start throwing the football, and I know that's Scott's Frost offense, what he wants it to be. And you got to get your guy Wandale involved, and no one disagrees with that. But folks are, are, are over the, the sideline throw, the, the lateral movement versus north-south. And you just didn't see a lot over the middle like you did against the Purdue defense. You had some drag routes that got Wandale the ball, nine for 104 or whatever it was against Purdue. And you got a, you got a younger linebacking and secondary that, that Minnesota – uh, brought to Lincoln, and you just you just didn't have a a, a game plan on the ground either. And I mean, Mills didn't touch the ball as as soon as maybe he could have. It's easy to armchair it. I'm not an offensive coach, but you know, Nebraska's offensive line uh, they they can they can fire off the football. You could have maybe ran it a little more. Now the yardage says, yeah, Nebraska ran and ran well, but man, from a from an emphasis standpoint, Nebraska. They wanted the win throwing the football, and, and they were very sluggish offensively in that first quarter. Meanwhile, if you're on the defensive side of the ball, you got to go, here we go again. And it was eerie, just like the Illinois game, the way things opened up with the, uh, the, 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 the fumbled lateral. At least Nebraska jumped on top of it. Yeah, but, but to me, see, you are making a good point when you talk about the run game and establishing physicality and dominance. When you are playing a team that is down that many guys, the best way to tire out the guys who are in the game is to run the football at them and pound them with your offensive line. It's a very rare occasion, Chris, 
where it's a good thing to have your quarterback be your leading rusher. Very rare. Now, there are those quarterbacks that can make that happen, and we've seen that happen, but really not on a regular basis, and certainly not with this offense. I don't think that you want Adrian or Luke to be your leading rusher. I, I think that just puts too much pressure on a guy who was also trying to find his way in the pass game. And, and I understand the concept of trying to open it up if you think you have a huge speed advantage over Minnesota. But other than Wandale, uh, from what I saw, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Minnesota's linebackers, most notably Sori Marin, and the rest of those defensive backs, they were not getting outflanked by anybody. There, were, there was not speed that was burning them down the corner other than when Wandale had a couple of big plays. So I think once you see that, and that's probably where the complaints come from, right? If you see that early, don't you adjust? Don't you try to get Mills involved? Maybe get some tight ends in the passing game? Something to get a little bit more of that flow. That flow was just never there. And the longer that that game went on with Minnesota kind of in physical control, the less and less you believe that Nebraska was going to find a way to win. And that's what we saw at the end. You know, the Minnesota did a great job of hanging around. And, you know, we talk a lot about personnel and, and are the guys here to, to run Scott's offense. And I think they're working on that. You have the quarterback here to, to run Scott's offense. And, Adrian ran Scott's offense pretty well the last two weeks when he was healthy. He also missed a day last week because of the, the shoulder ding um, that, he, that he suffered against Purdue. So it just felt like kind of a, a force feed of what they want to do versus what they're able to do. And it may have cost him a win against a depleted Minnesota team. Rick Pizzo's with us on Hale Varsity Radio at BTN. Rick Pizzo's where you find him on Twitter. Overall, I mean, what's what's the buzz about Nebraska around Nebraska here with COVID twenty twenty? I mean, two and five is two and five. What what are what do folks you know around the league think or say about what this year three looks like for Nebraska? Yeah, but I don't I don't think it's just COVID twenty twenty. Listen, everybody had to deal with it, right? Yep, yep. And the schedule makers for sure maybe didn't do Nebraska any favors on the front end. But you've got to find a way to get over that as well. And uh, I do think that Scott will probably be the first guy to tell you that this is not at all even close to what they envisioned this year. Uh, I mean, not at this point, not with a locker room that he told us he liked a lot better at the beginning of this year from a chemistry perspective and guys understanding what he wanted and feeling like they were gelling together So, yeah, I don't think that there's any way that you can say it's not disappointing. I mean, do I think there are bright spots in the potential uptick next year? Of course. But when you look at who this team played, especially late in the season and the games that they lost and the way that they lost them, I think the most frustrating thing is that a lot of those mistakes are the same mistakes you saw in years one and two. And I think that's probably the most frustrating part from a viewer standpoint. I'm sure it's probably the most frustrating mm-hmm. part for your listeners and everybody that, you know, bleeds that red and is in that stadium in a normal year is to see the same mistakes and to see those mistakes cost you a game. That's what's the most frustrating. Rick, I want to go uh, mentality here and, and a bit of psychology as well. And Nebraska over the years has had a lot of bad things happen on the football field. And one, one moment flips momentum. And doesn't matter who's wearing a headset, it seems like that changes 
the outlook, the confidence, whatever. And you've got to be able to overcome that as an athlete, sometimes easier said than done. You also need to, to rely on, okay, uh, we know as a, as a team or a group someone's going to step up and make a play. I don't know that there's that feeling. Uh, do you think there's a little bit of, for lack of a better term, PTSD when something bad goes wrong with Nebraska football? It really absolutely shakes the guys on the field. And then here comes that, that doubt that creeps into your mind. Yeah, I want to say no, but last week leads me to believe that there could be a little bit of that because I remember talking to you after that Purdue win and saying that one thing that impressed me more than any other was in the second half when Purdue started to mount a comeback, I never saw heads hanging. And I mm-hmm. felt like I looked at that Nebraska team and they believed they were still going to win that football game. Now, I wasn't there in person this past weekend, but I watched very closely and I didn't get that same sense. And, you know, I talked to Scott about this when I was in West Lafayette about the margin and how thin it is between winning and losing in the Big Ten and how much of it is mental and how much of it is physical. And it's the chicken or the egg question. What comes first? Having enough confidence to believe you're going to win and so you win or winning, which then gives you the confidence that you need. And I think that's it's. It's a it's a question that nobody has the right answer to, mm-hmm. but it's different for every team because if you're not winning, then how do you build that confidence? And that's the biggest question right now. And the biggest problem is if you don't win, then where does the confidence come from? And the confidence, it's human nature, right? Mm-hmm. If you lose and you lose and you lose and the same thing happens, then the next time out, human nature tells you to believe the same thing is going to happen again. You need to find a way to make the opposite happen, and that not just changes the result and the outcome, but it changes the way that you look at future results and outcomes. And this isn't me obviously playing a little bit of armchair psychologist, but listen, until you believe you can win, you're not going to win. And until you win, you're not going to have the confidence to think you can win. And unfortunately for Nebraska, that didn't happen enough this year on either end. Couple more minutes. Rick Pizos with his Big Ten buffet. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, want to go to the Big Ten title game? Uh, Ohio State Northwestern. Uh, incredible job this year by Fitz and Northwestern. Ohio State's. Uh, I mean, they are just so talented. What's your take on, on on Northwestern here? And I'm just doing some math, and you can grade my paper here. But uh, you got uh, Hankowitz retiring. You've got the uh, Northwestern AD that's off to the ACC if this was going to be a year two year, two times in the last three years you go to the Big Ten championship game if this is the year for Fitz to leave does it make the most sense right now or do you think he's he's there for the long haul with a new D coordinator and a new AD yeah I, I mean he is a Northwestern guy man uh, I mean a lot of folks have asked me what if Michigan opens you know would he be interested in that and I think they were interested in him when they hired Brady Oak. And I don't think he was necessarily as interested. Mm-hmm. And the Packers job, he was up for the Packers job when Matt LaFleur was given the job. And he even went on record saying, listen, my kids told me I can't go to Green Bay. I mean, we grew up in Chicago. Now, the only thing that would lead me to ever think that he may consider leaving is if the Bears job opens mm-hmm. and there's interest. Now, then you have a South Side Chicago kid who's done amazing things in Northwestern. To your point, you're losing your AD, you're losing your longtime DC. Would that be the time to try your hand at the NFL? But I feel like I know Pat pretty well. He comes off to me as a college guy. 
he seems like he is a college coach. And I got to be honest with you, people can say about Northwestern football, whatever they want, you know, the mild cats, the kitty cats that they play in a small stadium. They have no home field advantage. Listen, they've developed some really good players. I think those are all misnomers. I think those are misunderstandings about this program. Yes, you are not going to have the Ohio State recruiting classes, but, but what schools do. And for Fitz, you make a ton of money. You have a $300 million lakeside facility. Your kids don't get into any trouble. They keep up unbelievable grade point averages. I mean, i got to be honest with you. When you say the grass is greener on the other side, I'm not so sure it's greener than that long grass that they like to grow at Ryan Field. It's a job that I would stay in for as long as they keep me. And you know what? It, it's, it makes a ton of sense. He really can do no wrong there. Now, the AD gig, I think, would, would interest him. A, could you juggle that in today's day and age of college football? No. Okay. So he, no way. I just I just think those days of being an AD like Barry Alvarez and also trying to manage a multi-million dollar football team and the responsibilities that you have. And it's not just the responsibilities of the football coach now that are different. The responsibilities of these athletic directors, Chris, they become rock stars. Yeah. I mean, these guys are making three, four million dollars a year, you know. So, no, I just I think those the days of being able to be at the very highest level both an administrator and a coach of a Power 5 football team, I think those days are history. Rick, when I go to hoops before we say goodbye, and how dangerous is this Iowa team? I know Gonzaga looms. Had a chance to watch uh, Iowa bomb away on Carolina. Man, they got it all. They got outside. They got Luka inside. Who's going to challenge Iowa? And I know that it's a it's a deep Big Ten. It's a phenomenal Big Ten. But, man, Iowa looks really, really tough. And what, what would be or could be their downfall this year, if any? Yeah, I think they're the best team in the league. I really do. I think that Michigan State and Illinois are right there. But Iowa does have it all. And I think that's the difference is that they can beat you from the outside like they did against Carolina. Garza, by the way, had a very quiet 16 and 14 or even when Luka gets in foul trouble, he does what he did to Iowa State, which is one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen in my life. You're ice cold. You miss most of the first half with foul trouble. You come back in. You dominate. You score 21 in a row, and you go 13 and 14 from the field to score 34 against an in-state rival. I mean, and it's not just Luka. Joe Wieskamp is a terrific player. Jack Nungy is a really underrated player. Connor McCaffrey does a really nice job kind of facilitating this offense. As long as they play average defense when they decide that they really want to get up and down and that defense is much improved, I think they are the best team in the league. I think Michigan State and Illinois can challenge. But I think right now when you look at Iowa, they're clearly the Big Ten's best shot at making a run toward the Final Four. Maybe a national championship, but yes, we'll know a lot more when they play Gonzaga, who I think is clearly the most talented team in the country. We'll see where Nebraska rebounds. The uh, the old uh, Doan rivalry rears its head again uh, for Thursday night, and then uh, a, a tough slate for Fred and company. See if some of those shots start dropping and see if Nebraska responds to adversity a little bit better moving forward. Rick, you're too kind. Thanks again for the time, and enjoy the weekend of college football, bud. My pleasure, Chris. Take care, buddy. Gotta love Big Ten Buffet. It's Rick Pizzo. Appreciate his take on things. Let's talk a little more Nebraska as they gear up towards the end of the regular season. Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska coach, up next on Hale Varsity Radio. 
And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's welcome in uh, former Nebraska assistant and assistant at Iowa, Rick Kaczynski back with us. Kaz, you got that Notre Dame emerald green on for the ACC title game? Actually, I got a winter coat on today. It's a little cold down here. I don't want to hear it. It's in the smarty. It's in the forties, Smith Rock. Yeah, actually, I'm heading to. Uh, I'm actually heading to the game this weekend, so uh, be looking forward to it. Be wearing blue though, no green. Okay, be wearing my blue. I got gotcha. you. My free my free gear is blue, so that's what I'm wearing. But well, it's it's the uh, eve of signing day, and I want to uh, tell me your recruiting story, Notre Dame. How'd that shake down? I mean, you're a you're a eerie kid, and it was Notre Dame, but you had a lot of choices, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty fortunate. Um, you know, with my brother playing at Penn State, going to um, Erie Cathedral Prep, a school that uh, got got a lot of traffic over the years. Um, then, and my father being a um, high school teacher at the public schools, so I was pretty well schooled in the process and a little bit ahead of the game. My dad started taking me places when I was a sophomore in high school and seeing things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was a dumb kid. I really didn't, <laughs> I got great advice that I, that I didn't follow. Um, I knew I didn't want to go to Penn state just for no other reason. My brother went there and there's a lot of other kids from my hometown there. So, uh, and be honest with you, 1991 Schmitty, they were talking about Joe Paul retiring. Okay. And I didn't want to go. <laughs> I didn't want to go to a school that was that where I had to play for more than one head coach. So, uh, um, you know, I, I thought I liked Michigan. Had family in, you know, Detroit. Um, I always liked that city and uh, loved Ann Arbor. All those things. I, I thought it was going to be Michigan, Stanford, one of those type of gigs. And then I started getting contacted. Um, from the Southern schools to actually Tennessee was my first offer. Didn't know a whole lot about the, the Southern schools, but was intrigued by that. And that ended really quick when my father said, you're not going to, <laughs> you're not going to the, to an SEC school. So, uh, so it really came down to, uh, came down to about Michigan and in Stanford. And, you know, uh, I really like Stanford. But, uh, you know, it was a different place. And, uh, you know, I was a football guy in Western PA and big crowds and all those great things that come with uh, with football. Mm-hmm. So, uh, really, you know, Notre Dame kind of came on the radar late as far as interest, uh, mutual interest. Um, went out there my junior year, came back, wasn't that impressed. was a cold day, spring day. A spring game, and it was just uh, it was a good place. All I saw was the stadium. And uh, it was about November of my uh, senior year, and I uh, got a call from Joe Moore, who was a Western PA guy. And, uh, you know, we would just start talking, and he wanted to get me out of there, get me out there in December. We took my visit to Notre Dame, was, was on a trip with a bunch of great guys, saw the rest of the uh, campus. And uh, it was about 30 degrees warmer than it was in the spring game, believe it or not. And that was it, man. You know, I was in Coach Holtz's house and just real impressive. He was very personable. And I, I just really, what it came down to, Schmitty, was I really liked the guys that, that I was going to be going to school with mm-hmm. and playing with the next four years. So, 
you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing too crazy, but, you know, pretty boring recruiting stories with me, nothing crazy, kind of by the book, but had a lot of guidance and a lot of good advice, so uh, definitely made the right choice. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Now flip it around. A lot of D linemen that are playing on Sundays, Kaz, and uh, you uh, recruited them. And what's that life like as you're leading up to, to getting the signature and competing against other Power Fives or a guy that may be homesick or connecting. I mean, you, you, you lived it as a, as a, as a player at Notre Dame. It, it worked out. Then you go on the other side. You're on the sideline. You're recruiting for Iowa. You're recruiting for Nebraska. Recruiting for South Carolina. I mean, what was, what, what, what's that experience been like? Well, I think, you know, you get a pretty good idea going, in, going into it. It's not the Johnny B. Good days anymore. Underrated uh, movie. Underrated movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's probably a lot of a lot of guys listening to your show in their 20s saying, "What the hell's that movie?" Uh, but uh, Google it. Great <laughs> go, movie. Go but. check it. It, it. it does top the uh, Varsity Blues scene. We'll just leave you a little suspense there. <laughs> sure, sure does. But you know, um, and then being down south and talking with Coach Ford and just how things operated in the '60s and '70s and '80s in the southeastern part of the state and our country and, and all around college football, it was different. It was like that. I mean, guys would schools would hide guys and in hotel rooms so other schools couldn't get to them. You know, uh, there was brokers all over the place. It was crazy. Uh, some of the stories that, uh, you know, I've heard over the years and been told just just couldn't imagine that. Uh, but, you know, on the coaching side of it, you know, the relationship starts pretty early. Um, and, and you got to feel, you know, I think the biggest key with recruiting is going after guys you know you can get or you got a pretty good chance to get. Um, you know, everybody wants that five-star recruit. Well, guess what? He's going to Alabama. I'm not going to waste my time with that guy. I'm going to go stop by his school, tell him he's got an offer. Hey, mention us in a few articles. You know, just kind of shoot a tweet out to him just to kind of get um, get get you bunched, get that brand out there bunched in with all the other big brands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would talk to guys like that, and a lot of guys would do that. But, you know, I concentrated – on guys that I knew I could get, guys that I knew I would be able to coach, to take the coaching style that I coached with, right, those type of guys. The guys that I had a pretty good idea about, I wasn't going to have to worry a whole lot about off the field with them. So, you know, recruiting for me, I think the biggest part of it was just just targeting the type of guy that you're able to get. you know, Mike Daniels, let me tell you about that. His dad called on a Sunday. We were at Kirk's house. Kirk always had the players over uh, for recruiting breakfast at his house. I leave. I come back on a Sunday, um, just go back to the office, and I'm watching tape because I'm trying to find some prospects. My phone rings, office phone, and as a coach, you never answer your office phone. Never, never. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Because it's some guy whose son's not getting recruited, who runs a four-two, who's six-six, and right. nobody can block him, and he has a hundred catches, and everybody's wrong. But we we got to be the school to take him. So you don't answer it. Well, I answer it, and it happens to be Mike Daniels' father. 
Um, and he told me about his connection to another coach on the staff, Daryl Wilson. So I said, you know what? I'm here on a Sunday. We watched the tape. Daryl Wilson comes in and says, hey, Mike Daniels, dad call you? I said, yeah. You know, he's a kid that had a Villanova offer, and that was it. And that was it. I mean, he had Villanova, and Villanova told him if he takes a visit to Iowa that he loses his scholarship. So that's how we landed Mike. And, you know, that's kind of how recruiting. But when you watch the tape, you know, I wasn't looking for a guy to come in and help us in 2007. I was looking at a guy that, man, I can develop this kid. Here's a kid that he might be six foot, but he has the arms of a, Six six guy, mm. right? Here's a guy that can bend his knees. He can. He's a wrestler. He's a fullback. He's a nose guard. He's a tailback. Man, he's an athlete, and he comes from a two parent home. Mil- sisters in the military. Like those are the things in recruiting. You're like, man, I, there's just something about this kid. He's got an edge. So I, I think it's it's more targeting the guys that you think you can get. And rarely, 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 Schmitty, you know, with the exception of like a Randy Gregory, was I recruiting guys that I thought could come in and play right away. You know, it was just a different game then. It's changing a little bit, but, you know, it's really difficult to play your fresh, true freshman year on the O and D line and, and, and be successful. And quite frankly, if you're at a program that's playing offense and defensive line as freshmen, you're not doing something right. Right. So, so, so I was always targeting those guys that, you know, frames, you can develop them. I wasn't looking at height. I was looking at length. I was looking at reach. I was looking at wingspan and I was looking at that edge. You know, I'm like, what's this kid got? Those chips on the shoulder that this kid got, you know, this kid going to be able, you know, is this kid going to be understand when I'm driving him that, not about me it's about his success you know figuring those things out you know so so you know that's kind of how i did it on my side of the fence Schmitty. rick kaczynski's with us hail varsity radio kaz i love hearing that story on mike daniels does it wear you out as a coach and and you you've seen recruiting blow up it's a business as well but just the the flip-flopping and, and i know you just outlined your target right who you wanted to go after and there are guys man you you think you can get you hope you can get but you got to be able to to make that decision how much investment you want to put in and then can we land them and as a coach does it just wear you out with the flip-flopping or if if they 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 take a visit that they didn't you didn't think they were going to take and then once they get to campus do you have to spend time re-recruiting because every kid goes through some adversity, right? And yeah, yeah. They, they might well, get homesick or they're pissed about playing time or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know a soul that doesn't get home. I was homesick, but, you know, I didn't have an – there was no choice of me going back home. I, I don't mm-hmm. know anybody that doesn't get homesick, miss home. And, you know, being a college football player, especially when you're a freshman – not a, it's not a whole lot of fun mm-hmm. you know it's everything's everything's new to you uh you know you got you got the varsity there that's kind of looking at you out the corner of their eye you know testing you pushing you you got coaches who were telling you how great you are and um now they're screaming at you pushing you um so you know i think you gotta 
yeah, you, you have to recruit them, especially now with this with this portal age. And if this NCAA passes this one-time transfer rule, it, it's going to be absolutely re- ridiculous. But you know, kids—I don't want to say kids, kids. Kids haven't changed. Kids, kids aren't any different mm-hmm. than when than we were kids or when I was playing. They just have a little bit different opportunity when it doesn't go so well. Uh, you know, they don't have to persevere. They can say, hey, maybe I'll try and go in somewhere else. So I think, you know, the kids that are further away, those are the ones you got to worry about. Rick Kaczynski, our chat continues more on recruiting. Thoughts on Nebraska. It's Hale Varsity. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Across the U.S., all free. With the Radio.com app. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity Radio. More with Coach Kaczynski on Hail Varsity. You got to continue to recruit. I, I, I don't want to. I don't like using that term, recruit them, re-recruit them while they're on campus. I mean, that, it's, it still goes back to that relationship. It goes back to that honesty. It goes back to what you told them during the recruiting process and what type of kid he is. And, and let's be honest, you're not going to learn a whole lot about these kids with the minimum amount of contact that you have with them, especially in person. So there's no perfect science. It's a crapshoot. So there's really no way of, of telling. If, if, if I would have told you – you know, when Mike Daniels' dad called me and he had a Villanova offer that that seven years later he's signing a $42 million contract, I would have told you you're crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's just – there's no perfect no perfect science to it. You know, I didn't think Randy Gregory would come in and do what he did in 2013. He was taking class all summer. He was out in Arizona. He wasn't working out. And then he comes in, he's just freaky, you know. So – um, and then you have other guys that there's just so much that goes into it. These, these, these are these are young kids, so they're going to make decisions like young kids. Yeah, you know, there's a reason why you can't vote sure. <laughs> till a certain age. There's a reason why you can't get your license till a certain age. There's reasons for that because of the maturity level. But yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you know, kids are they're, they're kids making kid decisions, making adult decisions, right? So, you know, you got to do your best, but sometimes, you know, your best, it just, it just doesn't matter. If a kid wants, if kids now have outs without consequences, if I wanted an out from Notre Dame, I had a year of football taken from me. That's a huge, huge consequence. So I don't think you, you saw quite as many transfers as you did back as you do now. So, it's just a little bit different, a little bit different ball game. Um, but I think just with the coaching carousels now, uh, with the money that universities pay these coaches, and you know, with their win, with that money comes expectations. And when coaches don't meet expectations, you know, there's a coaching carousel. So, you know, I don't know where that balance is, but it. I think it's, <laughs> you know, I think it's something people got to look at. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't blame a kid for, 
for leaving a place or looking somewhere else when a new coach comes in mm. and a new coordinator comes in and a new scheme and those type of things. But, uh, you know, when you have a thousand kids in the transfer portal, man, we're going down, uh, we're going down a dang hole that I don't think is, is good for the college game. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio, coach at Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, last thought, and I love our chats on Tuesday. Uh, did you get a chance to see much of Nebraska, Minnesota? And, uh, man, yeah. uh, you had uh, old PJ and his crew, 33 men down, uh, get it done on the road. They ran the football, and uh, Nebraska just uh, really never got going offensively. It was you can imagine the fan base, you know, you know how they are here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's just tough sledding. Got to give Minnesota, got to give Minnesota credit as, as difficult as that is. But, uh, you know, they, they were the team that was more ready to go. And, and I hate to say it, they look like a team that wanted a little bit more. They, they won the trenches. Um, you know, the D line, no sacks, Morgan sat back there. Um, you know, throwed, uh, he was making throws on balance all day. Never had to move his feet to make a throw. It didn't, it didn't seem like. And, you know, I think 59 yards on that last uh, when you got to get the ball back. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they averaged 5.8 a carry. You know, you, you're not going to win any games in the Big Ten. You know, I've been, I've been on both sides of that. You just, you just can't, you can't win uh, doing that. And it's just, it's just frustrating because you, you saw – a couple of weeks of consistency that you thought you could build on and you took a step backward. So now here we are again, you know, what, what's frustrating and is that there's still questions, you know, who, who you know, who are you, what's your, what's your identity? Um, and then who's, who's going to step up? Who's going to, who's going to make that play on defense? You know, who's your playmaker? Who's the guy on offense that's going to make it go, you know, and that's got to go in the trenches. You know, your 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 offense is led. Great offenses are led from the O line. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And you know, if you can't get things generated on the ground, uh, you have protection bust, and you're giving up sacks and getting behind the count. Man, it's just it's just it's hard not to question. You know where you go from here. But uh, you know, I, I like I like what they got recruiting. I like that they have guys that were forced into the fire and had to play. Mm-hmm. They got some young guys. I, I just think that, you know, when you get that continuity, you got the same four guys up front on the D line and the same five guys up front on the O line. I mean, just that continuity creates consistency. So uh, not giving up on the scourge just yet. So, you know, the great thing about football is, man, you got a chance to make it right this week right you got you got a chance to make it right on friday so so you know what i hate looking back let's look forward man mm-hmm. you know that's all you can do let's take the next step forward let's be ready to go and that is you know it's it's on everybody players coaches man you got to make sure your guys are ready to go but the players got to make sure they're ready to go too so because you don't want to show up in rutgers because they're too well coached um they're playing with a hard edge right now that's how Shiano coaches. That's how his teams are. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to be flying around. So, you know, I think I think they'll see that on tape, and I think they'll prepare. I think you got a great game, and I think it's a great challenge, and it'll tell you a lot about this team. So, um, 
Looking, looking forward to the game here on Friday, Schmitty. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Bar City Radio. Kaz, we'll get caught up again soon, and thanks for the time today. Thank you, sir. You take care of yourself, man. Great show. Rick Kaczynski, good to chat with him. Love the recruiting thoughts, the insight there. And uh, not wrong about Rutgers being hungry. Latest bowl projections, and I know you're like, well, Schmidt, why are you talking about bowl games for Nebraska? Rutgers is slated to go bowling. So Nebraska's not been on the tips of people's tongues bowl-wise, right? But they beat Purdue, so... They kind of jumped into where Purdue was at. Uh, you can you can be a three and five team. They've got Penn State. I know Penn State's won three games. They have Penn State going bowling this year, and there's no there's no record criteria to hit. So you got Bill Moose. You have Nebraska. You have a team that will will travel to a warm spot, and you have fans that you know fan allowance, of course. I mean, Nebraska's a team that will draw eyeballs. Nebraska's a team that will draw fans. Nebraska's a team that may draw travel. Uh, now, does Nebraska deserve to go to a bowl game at 2-6? and six? They've got Washington State in one and Pirates at 2-7 and seven right now. But, I mean, the Pirates worth the price of admission, man. So, so right now, I mean, you got the, the Mayo Bowl as Virginia Tech versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin's lost three straight. They're sitting right now at 2-3. and three. Minnesota could pop them and send them to two and four. Nebraska's at two and four right now. Hold on, two and five. <laughs> Sorry, snuck <laughs> snuck one less loss in there. But if Nebraska can get to three and five, I think you you try and get to a, a postseason game. We'll talk to you tomorrow at four. Thanks. And we're back, fellas. Think we could listen to the radio? Listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! I lied. I am back. I was just getting out of Dodge a little early. Forgive me. Willie J, thanks for being in today, brother. Hey, of course, man. Do you um want, want to hear a little bit of War of Words? You've got Dabo politicking about, you know, Ohio State and how they don't have the same... Resume. I think the the guys trying to earn a master's in business administration compared it to earning your master's in business with just sixty hours instead of one hundred and twenty. Well, <laughs> that pissed off Urban, and Urban Meyer's like, well, you know, you look at Ohio State; no one runs for a hundred on them. Nebraska did when they chose to. Yeah, and right now the AP poll, not the not the playoff poll, but the AP. Nobody wants to be that fourth spot because you open with Bama. Yeah. And if if Clemson wins, they're favored by ten and a half. They're supposed to. What happens? Does does USC dirty their way in with kind of a similar record? They've won three out of their five games with just miraculous fourth quarter comebacks. We're talking. 20 points in the fourth quarter to come back against UCLA. We're talking a last-second win against Herman, Arizona State. They had to rally and beat a a brutal Arizona team, an 0-6 Arizona team, but they did so at night down there in Tucson. So it's been incredible comebacks by SC. 
So SC's going to play Oregon. That's more of a respected team. Colorado messed the bed against a windless Utah in snow-filled Boulder. So if if USC is out there, do you take an SC over Notre Dame that is with two losses and gets clipped? Uh, excuse me. Notre Dame's they, – they are undefeated. <laughs> There's a few Irish fans I know that are going to jump through the phone at me. But I'm saying if – if if Clemson beats Notre Dame, when it matters, and it mattered in the regular season too, because it put Notre Dame in this position. Right. But does Notre Dame, with a loss, stay in over USC? Do you want to potentially see Notre Dame Clemson part three this year? Because you can, in good conscience, conscience, put Notre Dame in front of Ohio State with a loss. Notre Dame can't be anywhere but number four after a loss in the ACC title game. They'll drop behind Clemson. Alabama's going to stay number one as long as they beat Florida. Alabama can lose to Florida and still get in. Sure. So you have Ohio State that I think is safe. Yeah. I just wonder if you're going to get a little extra juice from Northwestern. I I think there's some 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 thoughts going. I think the, the next Bad Bears outing... That is it for, for Nagy. That is it for Chicago. Sure, yeah. And I think Coach Fitzgerald will be a phone call by the Chicago Bears. And Pizzo kind of threw that out there. Right. Not that he's expecting it, but you got a lot of things moving around here from administration to your fifty, you know, a fifty-one-year defensive coordinator veteran. <laughs> And Hankowitz, who was at Colorado under Barnett. We'll talk to, to Coach Barnett Thursday. It is signing day 2020 tomorrow. That 2021 class, man, looks nice for the Big Red. Another top 20 class. Heinrich Harburg, quarterback, Carney, is coming up uh, tomorrow to kick the show off. Teddy Prohaska, Greg Smith, Brad Edwards, a loaded signing day 2020 tomorrow.